0: Good morning church, I'm glad that you are here today, it's good to have my family in church today, kind of like many of you, there's a lot of running going on this summer, if you don't notice a noticeable gap in our children's area today, we have 30 some odd children and volunteers, 4th through 6th grade or 3rd through 6th grade that are off at camp today and so you can be praying for them that the Lord will just speak to them in a way that is right for their hearts. Uh, I I don't know if you always know how to pray for our kids at camp or what's going on But just pray that lord would speak to them in a way that they can receive it In a way that their minds are prepared to hear it and their hearts are open to understand that There were some great volunteers and leaders on the way You'll be praying for Jenna and our leaders is there uh, there as well Uh, There's a lot going on uh, in the facility right now. July is normally our touch up and freshen up month And normally our students serve as our touch-up paint team in the church every year. For the last four years, if you didn't know that, when the walls got repainted, it was teenagers who who were doing it. And uh, this year... Uh, we always do that in july this year we've got a little some other things going on if you've walked in our children's area it's all one color for the first time in a long time that's because we're we're, we're painting in there to go along with our children's ministry uh, vision and mission and the short version is that we're here to help parents and their children love jesus well and so uh, Jana has been working with a lead group of, of volunteers on paint colors and some shapes and Bible verses so that our, when you walk in our hallway, the colors and the verses reflect uh, how we want children to love Jesus well. We want them to find their joy in him, we want them to trust him, we want them to grow in him, and we want them to increase in wisdom with him. And so you're going to see that spread out through our children's area just through some things um, in our fellowship hall we had about 12 volunteers up here we're doing the same thing with our student ministry as well and so our fellowship hall is getting a little bit of a facelift in that we're raising the ceiling in there we're going to take care of the acoustics and stuff but we also want to be make it more functional for students and for all ages to use it more openly um, even for smaller services that might even happen in there and so that's going on you'll see the roof go up and then some paint and some other things happen in there so if you would just be praying for that we we do that in july because our children are gone to youth camp our youth are going to youth and mission trip and so just be praying for all that is going on in the midst of that if you were here for the fourth of july what an incredible night that was ministering to our our neighborhood and to our community what an awesome night that is so we don't slow down in july we just change pace a little bit so you can be praying for the workers and the volunteers working around the building we want to be stewards of what god has given us to the best of our ability um at the moment Um, We are running ahead of our budget. We had a big budget cut back this year. We're running ahead of that. And so that's allowed us to to allow our ministries to breathe a little bit. Uh, We have a capital account that we do our our fix-up and touch-ups out of that's separate from that. But just when God is moving and when faithfulness is happening, there's a lot happening uh, around this place. And I want to let you know, if you thought, where did all the color go in our children's ministry? We're not trying to depress them to Jesus. Amen? That's not what we're trying to do. But next week, there will be a lot of of color going on. And throughout the month of July, we hope to finish uh, with that. Just a lot of volunteers. Uh, helping out and and jumping in with what's happening Uh, so so that really leads us into well into what we're talking about today in just an excited way in romans chapter 8 we're finally finally finishing romans 8 we won't spend this many weeks in one chapter of scripture the rest of the year but it's so good y'all and 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 i hope that you've been drinking deep of that we're going to be in romans 8 we'll start in verse 31 and we'll go to verse 39 and so as Ashley would tell you, oh no, when dad only gets eight verses, it's gonna be a long sermon. I promise you, it's July, it's hot outside. What else do you have to do? It's fine. No, but, but just excited about, about this section um, of what's happening in the midst of, of Romans. And Paul kind of stops and says, I need you to take a breath. And that's what these last eight verses are about. They're about taking a breath Because Paul wants you to have uh, this conclusion. Like, everything he's talked about thus far... It, he says let me let me bring you to the proper conclusion as you've been reading my letter let me just get you let's reset let's not go too far without it and, and i don't know about you or me but but i appreciate paul stopping in the middle of the letter to say i want to make sure we're all drawing the right conclusions about what i've been talking about um, do you know as a minister this is this is a little bit of, of joyful confession to you Do you know I don't walk into any restaurant, into any grocery store? I don't go into Walmart without having, like, my goggles on to see if I see one of you. Do you know that? Like, I I might die early from how alert I have to be in places. Because I I have been in places where I've been there, and one of you might have been there, and I didn't see you, and maybe you were waving at me, and I missed you, and then you left the church. Y'all, right? (laughs) like we draw conclusions all the time and so it's something I never they didn't train me for that in seminary uh, in doing that but I don't I don't want to miss you. And so I, it was hilarious. I've talking to another person uh who's in a kind of a position and he's like I just don't look for anyone anymore. I'm like, "Oh, that would make me a single pastor with no one in, in the church." Like, "I I want to see you, but I, cuz I don't want you to draw that wrong conclusion that I waited, Pastor David. I know he saw me. We made eye contact. Y'all, sometimes I'm oblivious. That's not eye contact. That's glazed. Y'all follow me on that? Like, I, I want that. But we draw conclusions all the time in our life with our spouse. I mean, how many times have you gotten to an argument? This probably has never happened with you. So I'll just on me. Have you got an argument? Because you knew they should have known what you wanted them to know in that moment. And you were concluding that they knew, and if they didn't know, well, that's on them. Have you ever been there, ever had a bad day like that? Yeah, we we work on drawing conclusions. Christy and I, we text all the time. I can tell when the day's been hard on those days, I'm drawing the conclusion that I need to step up my husband game a little bit in the evening. You know what I'm saying? We want, we want to do that. We, we draw conclusions um, on our spending, right? We, we conclude my job is safe, so it's all right to purchase this thing I'm going to have a loan on, right? We draw conclusions on, you know what, we've been saving up, we can do this or that and the other. We, we do it all the time. Our children, they draw conclusions right when you say don't touch that and they look at you they're drawing conclusions what does that mean can i test it right grandchildren are wonderful at that and i've decided if you're a grandparent you're okay with it because it's all payback to your child for later on like like we draw conclusions all the time and Paul here stops and says, out of all I said, through, through the gifting of the Holy Spirit, I just want to make sure, for sure, for sure, that you understand correctly where all this has led you to. And that's the joyful s- snippet that these few verses are in Scripture. So we'll read the whole thing, and then we'll verse by verse, we'll just draw a conclusion. Is that okay with you guys? The Bible says it this way, in Romans chapter 8, Verse 31 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it's written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long, for we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors from him through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, verse 31 tells us that Paul's trying to wrap this together, that he's checking us to make sure. Verse 31, he says, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He he answers his own question before you and I get a chance to out of all of this we've talked through the jewish part of it we've talked through this the 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 gentile part of it we talked through all creation groans we talked about condemnation we talked about how we've been sinners and christ died we just he's covered so much and he says in light of all of this what shall we say then what conclusion should you come to and and this is unique the us in this matters right this is really important if i had my board here i'd circle the word us for you right us matters here because us means the audience of the church. Like I've been talking very specifically to those who've given their life to Christ. Remember, chapter 8 up to this point, we've been talking about the future glory that awaits those who belong to him. So what shall we say then? Here's what he starts off with. If you hear nothing else, God is for That's that soaking in. He says, if if you don't hear anything else, I want you to know, if you are in Christ Jesus, if, if if you're listening to this, if you've gone through all this, is if you belong to the Lord through Christ Jesus, who has justified you, who's done all that we talked about, here's what you can be certain of. God does not hate you. Here's what you can know. God is not out to get you here's what you can know more than that god is for you we've been talking about this in our house a lot we are um baseball fans in our household and the more i grow in in my relationship with my wife the deeper i come because i'm pretty sure in retirement it's going to bind us together as well but in baseball it's one thing if i am for the astros as a fan right if, if, if I like a particular player Connor loves Chaz McCormick right it, it, it's his player in that and, and, and we 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 like him and we like watching him and it's fun and we're for him but there's a good chance that he may be on the trading block this year do you know what me being for Chaz does for his chances of getting traded or not traded nothing Nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how passionately I'm for him. If I'm that way for Jose Altuve, if I'm that way for Alex Bregman, it doesn't matter. If I am for you as a fan, it doesn't matter. But if I am the owner, the sole owner of the baseball team, and you're having the worst season of your life, You can't hit a ball to save your life, and you've got hit by more balls than you've caught. And I tell you, don't worry, I am for you. What are your chances of getting traded? Zero. Zero. See, it's different when the owner is for you Versus a fan is for you. And we have this world around us saying, we're for you. We're behind you. You be you. You live life. You try to find joy this way. You try to circumvent life this way. And and their cheering might sound like deafening. But it is powerless. But when the owner says, I am for you. Even if the world is silent. Even if the world is silent, it matters and is unfailing. It's unbreakable. I started thumbing through Scripture, and I just wrote down a few names, times God demonstrated what it's like when he is for someone. Abraham in Genesis He was from a family that that didn't practice godliness there was no there was no righteousness that he made in of himself and god said i am for you and you might say why was he for abraham and not someone else we don't know it out because god was for him he just chose to be for him and because he chose to be for him he made him promises and he carried through those promises and he became a great nation he saw him through every event of his life because he was for him moses Moses was an infant when the enemy was destroying God's people. But God said, I am for you. What does he do? He makes a way for him to be placed in a basket, sent down a river, discovered by Pharaoh's daughter, nursed by his own mother, raised into leadership, trained, so that he might lead God's people. Because why? Because of anything Moses did know, because God was for him. We see that in the life of David. He's a shepherd boy, the youngest in the family. Even his dad, although he loved him, would have been for the older brothers first. But what does God do? He takes a shepherd boy and makes him king. I'm for you. David stumbled. David fell. David sinned. David repented. How did it work out that he was who he was? Because God was for him. We can go in the book of Daniel, in captive, a slave. He bucked the system for the glory of God, and said, "I'll commit to him, but I won't commit to serve these other gods." And he wasn't killed, he was elevated. How? Because God was for him. Scripture, all you have to do is thumb through the pages, church. What shall we say then? If God is for us, then what does it matter who's against us? What does it matter? I think a lot of times we get threatened by the way that people interact or may treat us maybe it's a boss maybe it's people putting pressure on us and we start to get anxious paul would write be anxious for nothing how could he write be anxious for nothing because god is what he's for us so it doesn't matter who could be against us he's not saying well then no one will be against us he's saying who cares What's the point? What does it matter? In light of our relationship with Christ, if, if you and I are in Christ Jesus, we are being made right by the Spirit of God. We have been justified by the Spirit of God. We stand on the grace of God. What does that mean? It means if we boast, that means to speak loudly. We boast in the one who is for us. You don't have to be shy. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to be anxious. Because God is for you. And Paul now starts unpacking this in verse 32. Let's read verse 32. We'll keep walking through this. We'll be done by tomorrow, I promise. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave himself up for all for us all. How will he not also, uh, how will he not also with him? graciously give us all things now listen i want you to know if you're a note taker and you want to write something down jesus is he is our marker he's our marker and here's what i mean by that as you read this walk through this my dad used to leave markers for us my dad was in sales um, basically my whole life right and so when when you're in sales you have good seasons you have bad seasons amen and there's multiple ways to navigate those things um, but my dad when things were good He wanted to show us his love and, and, and we would eat at certain places Or we might get some food And when things were rough Y'all we didn't have a whole lot of backup So it was egg salad sandwiches It was hey we're making up games outside Or, or whatnot. not Th- Those kinds of things are happening and, and we knew when it was rough seasons Because there were some times when my dad If you were to go look in your piggy bank Or where you kept your money We didn't hide that in our house There would be a little paper that said what I owe you And most of the time, dad would pay that back. Sometimes it was just contributing to the good of the family. That piece of paper or his word, hey, I need to borrow this. Can I I borrow that from you? That was his IOU. It was his marker. Hold on to this. I want you to listen real closely to what verse 32 said. He who did not spare his own son but gave himself up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What he is saying for you is I am so for you. I'm so for my plan. I'm so for everything that we've been talking about that the marker that I have laid down is the son of God. That that's my I'm going to make good on my pledge. And it's meant to be, and it ought to be, so grand and so awesome that Paul says, if God is so for you, if he is so certain that his plan, he who began the good work, will see it through to completion, that he who took you from darkness and stood you in life, if he is so sure of that, that he places his son down, what better is there? What else could he do to prove his love for you? In the Old Testament, we see people giving a staff or a cloak. We see people trade shoes, all kinds of things, as markers in our life. God laid down his son. And he said, if you want proof of how for you I am, I will give my son to you. Church, I I love you. I don't know if I would give I give myself for you. Giving my son or daughter for you. If I ever did that, you would know there's a debt. Right? I can, my pastor loved me that much. Connor, you're safe at the moment. I don't know any need for that. But but it's meant to be overwhelming to you. I do think it sometimes our comfort in our Christianity in the culture, in the country that we are in makes us forget the value and the grandness of Jesus Christ and his marker that he's put on our life. I think there are times when we get caught up in making the world a better place to go to hell from that we miss the gravity of what it is that Jesus Christ is our marker. Even before Jesus died, he spoke words in Matthew 6, telling, listen, if if God cares for all these things, how much more does he care for you? He didn't give his son for, for creation in general. He gave it for you. He gave his son for you. So God is so for you with whatever you're dealing with right now. That he gave the most valuable thing in all of history so that you would know he is sincere. And Paul says if, if God is willing to go that far to bring you from darkness to where you are now, then how much more certainty, how much confidence can that give us knowing that he will give us everything he's promised? If you've ever been concerned about eternity, if you've ever been worried about tomorrow, Jesus is the proof and the reminder that you can trust the Lord. That's the sweetness of this passage. And he says, all that I've been telling you up to this point, that's the point. And then he says, if you want to know something, it's, I know it's not all dandelions and roses. I know the world is difficult and hard. He, he writes these next verses, verse 34 and verse 30, 33 and 34. The Bible says it this way. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? who indeed is interceding for us. Don't miss a word. Oh my goodness. He says, God is for us. How for us is God? That he gave his only son for us so that we can be certain of his promises in the future. You say, well, okay, well, what does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ, the son of God, is our righteousness and our security for that journey. and and he unpacks it so sweetly in verse 33 who shall bring any charge against us it's God who justifies as soon as I I read that verse I scribbled down 1 Timothy 3 16 great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness he was manifested in this flesh vindicated by the spirit seen by the angels proclaimed among the nations believed on in the world and taken up in the glory his name is Jesus Church, what Paul writes here is, listen, if you're wondering who could steal eternity from you, if you're wondering what force could oppress you and create a different future, if you're wondering if any other road could lead to a different eternity, a different heaven, a better life, if you're wondering if anyone could look you in the eye and say, you're wrong, and I can prove it. Anyone who condemn you and say you aren't worth it, a good God would not rescue someone who is like you or who has sinned like you or been where you are. The Bible says he who was manifested in the flesh, Jesus, was vindicated by the Spirit. That means he was proven right in his resurrection all of his promises, all of his teachings, all of his actions, by the word of God, the spirit of God, he was raised to life. And so you can trust in his righteousness. You can trust that he's not gonna unintentionally with a broken heart, not pay back an IOU. He's not gonna come back and say, I know, but you've fallen one too many times. He's not going to come back and he's he's not going to say, you know what, I know this is where we started, but you're a different person, things are different now, you're out. Because he's always been our righteousness, making you and I right with God. It wasn't built on your shoulders and it wasn't built on your mom or your dad or anyone else's. The IOU is Jesus Christ. And he's better than the gold standard verse 34 talks about how Jesus is our security I like Paul he says who will condemn us I mean if if it's Christ who's justified us right in other words no one can bring a charge there's nothing that will stick because Jesus is our all in all no one will correct it if we can't be charged how in the world would you be condemned Jesus died for you and Paul said it's not just that He was raised for you. And now at the right hand of God, he intercedes for you. Salvation is shown as this marker. Jesus Christ is our certainty. I know that the world would tell you it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. You you were sinful when Christ died for you. And you are still sinful... But not controlled by sin now but god is making you holy he is sanctifying your life and i know in that there's temptation to be afraid and worried but jesus says those who hold to him those who are his even when you don't know what to do you don't know what to say even when life is hard if you cling to jesus if you bow your knee to no one else if you are his and you belong to him then you need to know you have no reason to be anxious because there's no one that will condemn you. There is no charges that will stand against you. Not because you're perfect, but because Jesus is. And he sits at the right side of God, interceding for your benefit with the Father. Not holding back his anger, but whispering and speaking. Church, where's the point when our life becomes so emboldened by the security of Jesus Christ that it doesn't matter what the day held, it doesn't matter what people say, it doesn't matter what's poured into you. It just slides off like charges that are coming from nowhere that mean nothing. God will not condemn those who are his because it's his plan all along. But it's not going to be easy. It's just going to be consistent. In verse 37 through 39, it says it this way. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him through who loved us. <clears throat> For I am sure that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is one of those potent verses. We see it all over the place. And it's not for the whole world, is it? Who's it for? It's for us who belong to Jesus. And what I like is this picture of we are more than conquerors. I tried to figure out what it would be like to be more than a conqueror and I read different things like a conquer person just they just defeat someone else destroys and then turns people into slaves. I've heard all kinds of things about what it looks like to be more than conquerors and, and I tell you I found myself coming back to Genesis 32 the word conqueror in Greek means to utterly prevail that's the picture now The word prevail is important to me because it's somewhere else in Scripture. In in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28, it says, Then he said, the Lord, to Jacob, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men, and you have prevailed. That word prevail means a lot to me. It's not the same word as more than conquerors in, in, in Romans here. That word prevailed means you endured, you held on, Basically, this is what happened. Jacob wrestled with the Lord all night long and he didn't die. You prevailed. (laughs) Right? God didn't kill him and he didn't let go, he just held on. I think a lot of times in our life, we know Jesus is our portion. we we believe that jesus is our security but we live our life in this world like we're jacob just holding on for dear life to prevail let me help you out that is not the picture of god's people that paul has said he wants you to come to this conclusion to that's not what romans 8 says here that listen you just hold on through this life Just just barely make it through because better days are coming. Better days are coming, but what a waste of years of living in victory. To utterly prevail doesn't mean to hold on. It means that you win at every step. Utterly, completely, in every moment, every step there's victory every step even when life is hard even when it's difficult every step it's victory it's not just like hold on to me God as I drag through life that's not it that's that's enduring but what God says is I have made the plan I have made the way Jesus is my marker and this is what life to the full looks like it means that every step you take with me is victory The vote doesn't go your way, victory. Your boss lets you go, victory. Strife is coming at you, victory. Your family is falling apart, step with me. You'll find victory. No matter what you run into, they will fall against my plan. They will not keep you from me. And that's what Paul says. He says, listen, I'm I'm convinced That life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor anything present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Church, Paul wasn't just saying that. Because in verse 35 and 36, he said some of the most bleakest words. And I wanted you to hear the victory before you heard that. So who can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ? Who can do it? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. For it's written, for your sake, all we are all being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Church, his love is unfailing. So if the world turns against you, Those words are about oppression and they're about want, needs, poverty. You're safe. My love won't let you go and my love will make sure that you step in victory. For us, we sit here today and we can think through the different pieces of our life. But for Paul... This was a whole different way to write. It was a whole different way to speak. Christians were being kicked out of the synagogue. They were being persecuted. They were being hated. Literally, apostles are being killed. I started to think of what that would be like as a dad. What's it like when things outside of you aren't just coming at you, but they're coming at those you have charge over? Paul says, I want you to know something, church. Those things are coming. These aren't possibilities, they are coming. Jesus said they're coming, the Spirit showed that they're coming. And in those moments when the world seems to turn against you and it's ripping away all the things that give you security in your life, he said the same thing that has gotten you this far will carry you through to victory every step of the way. It's because my love doesn't fail. My love doesn't change. So my love will not leave you, it will not forsake you. So how do we walk in victory every step of the way? How do we know such utter joy even when the world is throwing everything it's got at you? It's by being certain that it is not your love for God that is carrying you through. It is his love for you. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know how you're being attacked or if like, today is the best day in history for you. I don't know if the state of our world has gotten you shaken. I don't know what decisions that you have made that have caused you to wonder. But Paul says, come to the proper conclusion. If you are in Christ Jesus, he is for you. He is so for you. So don't be discouraged. Don't be defeated. Walk in victory. The only way the enemy gets victory in the life of a Christian, are you right? The devil doesn't make you do anything. Are we good on that? only way the enemy gets victory in your life is by forfeit that's it you quit that's it it's not a permanent victory it's one that god will discipline you on to get you back in the game but that's it we can be confident in that because he is for us And that can be true for any and all who believe in the name of Jesus. And this morning, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe today you're walking in on the conclusion, this is meant to stir your appetite. That's why you're here today, so that you could see what it would take, what it's like to walk in utter victory with Jesus Christ. You can start thumbing backwards in Romans. Romans. You can start sharing and speaking to someone about what does it mean. But that victory can be yours too, but only in Christ Jesus. There's no other marker strong enough. There's no other love great enough. But if you're in Christ, whatever you're facing, the owner, he's for you. Are you in a slump? He's for you. Are you killing it in life? He's still for you. peace in that let's pray together Lord we love you Lord what an awesome thing it is we, we, we are so used to talking about you and about your word that we miss part of these things and Lord it's nice I think to know that you're for us but God we just repent of those times when we have forgotten what that means lord we repent of 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 making a small thing of the sacrifice and the resurrection of your son lord lord we confess that our love fails and at our best we just try to hold on but you have more for us you have planned more for us so god let us embrace that truth for Your glory and Your name alone, or that that You might show Yourself unstoppable, that You might walk with us in that power and.